Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of good news about Georgia football today on the offensive side of the ball in particular. One of those I will do in just a couple of minutes, and one of those I want to do right now. In fact, let me begin this this way. I want to make a comparison for a moment between Georgia quarterback JT Daniels and LSU quarterback Max Johnson. Many of you know who Johnson is. He's from the state of Georgia, from the even kind of even from that sort of Oconee County, Athens area. So a lot of you followed Johnson's career. And if you look at Max Johnson in his last two games for LSU in uh, last season, this is going somewhere, so stick with me just for a moment. Uh, pretty big performances. On the road, leading LSU to a win against Florida, 37-34. That's the final score. He goes 21-36 for 239 yards and threw three touchdowns in the game. And then in the Magnolia Bowl to close out the season in a win against Ole Miss, 53-48 was the final score there. Uh, Johnson goes 27 of 51, throws three touchdowns again, does throw a pick. Two pretty good performances from Johnson stepping in as the starter for LSU and two pretty nice wins for the Tigers to close out the season. However, for Johnson, that was not enough, as many of you are aware, those of you who follow the news around the SEC, for Johnson, that was not quite enough to earn him status as LSU's named starting quarterback going into the offseason through spring practice and ahead of the start of summer camp, which will begin here very soon. It's either Johnson or you hear Miles Brennan, who at one point in time had been kind of in that spot and kind of lost it due to injury. Uh, he's back in that discussion. There have been other names there as well, T.J. Finley, who eventually transferred to Auburn. But Max Johnson on the heels of late game Late season performances, I should say, for LSU a year ago, that was not enough to earn him starting quarterback status. However, the situation for JT Daniels at Georgia, very, very different. And I do believe this matters because if you think about the typical behavior of Kirby Smart, what Kirby Smart's, is it modus operandi? Is that how you say that? Is that the Latin phrase? You know, the typical operating procedure for Kirby Smart when it comes to quarterbacks over the course of his time as UGA coach. Go back to 2016 for a moment. Uh, it's Grayson Lambert versus uh, Jacob Eason. Kirby Smart, ahead of that season opener against North Carolina, gave you very little insight, at least in terms of tangible words, as to who his guy was going to be. Would it be Lambert? Would it be Jacob Eason? Smart didn't say very much about that. Well, in 2017, Jacob Eason had earned the starting quarterback job over the course of the 2016 season, but with Jake Fromm coming in as a freshman. Once again, Smart, for the most part, played it very tight-lipped about a what he viewed and what he expressed many times as a competition between between Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason. Even if most of us at the time assumed that Eason truly would be the starting quarterback, there was the continual... I don't want to call it a narrative, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but the continual narrative of from so-called pushing Jacob Eason and challenging Jacob Eason, and that's the way that Smart spoke about that quarterback competition in a lot of those uh, instances ahead of that 2017 season. Very much the same way the start of the 2018 season as well, and a lot of you remember this. Very little said in comparison between Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. Not really naming a starting quarterback, kind of sidestepping the quarterback competition, uh, you know, conversation, basically putting it all on a competition between 
between the two guys, and as Smart's words were, he let the the, the best guy win. 2019 was a little different because there really wasn't a true uh, competitor to a from. In that instance, he was clearly treated like the starting quarterback, but 2020 was kind of back to normal again for uh, Kirby Smart. Last season, as a lot of you will remember, you know, Jamie Newman comes in. He's got the Heisman odds. He's got the mock draft praise. He's got all of this. He had everything but the chance to be named starter by UGA. Once again, during that lead up to the 2020 season, Smart kept his cards very close to the vest, it seemed like, when it came to quarterbacks, and eventually uh, Jamie Newman even opts out. So it's important to note when things around the Georgia program are different than they've been in the past. And I just described to you what the normal procedure for Kirby Smart has been with quarterbacks. Very similar to the way that's playing out around other SEC programs right now as well, including LSU, that's undergoing its own quarterback competition. But at Georgia this year, because of the way that JT Daniels played when he had a chance to start for Georgia four games, and I'm presuming because of the way that he handled himself in meeting rooms and locker rooms and everything else, Kirby Smart has felt comfortable treating JT Daniels the way that he hasn't always treated his quarterbacks, as the evidence I just uh, suggested shows you. Let me go back in time one more moment here and give you an example of this. Back in March, now that's a long time ago now, right? That's, you know, at the very beginning of spring practice. We're talking about a good, good while ago here. Back in March, Smart is doing an interview on the Atlanta radio station, 680 The Fan. You're going to hear the, ho- the host's voice here in a moment. The host asks Smart directly, is JT Daniels your guy at quarterback? Now, in most years, as I said before, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2020, in most years, Kirby Smart would take a similar tack to what Ed Orgeron's probably taking right now when it comes to Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. Oh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll find out. We're going to see who plays the best at practice. But for Smart this year with JT Daniels, completely, completely different line of thought and uh, completely different words being used by Smart. This is him on the Atlanta radio station, 680 The Fan, going back to March. Take a listen to this. Is there a true competition for the quarterback position going in to both spring and into the season, or is this JT's job? Well, it's JT's job. He's played the position. He's really on top of it. He's doing a good job in our offense. But it's not to say that we're not giving the other guys a look. I mean, Stetson Bennett is a, is a good football player, and we think he's very athletic. He creates a different dynamic. Carson Beck is a guy we've always thought a lot of. He's, he's a really good passer, and you know, he he didn't get the benefit of a spring practice. He didn't get the benefit of doing anything in college football. That now he's getting a ton of reps, and I think that's big. And then Brock is here with us, and he's very athletic, and he's done some good thing so every guy is going to have an opportunity to play across our roster but uh, JT is a guy that's proven himself and we hope he continues to do so and he brings about the the kind of best assets we have in our offense which are some of the wide outs and some of the skill position guys we've got to be able to use his strengths to get them the ball it is so important to note this that is not regular normal coach speak from smart given the way that he's spoken about and handled his quarterback situation in recent years you just heard smart say i'm gonna try to paraphrase it every guy on our roster is going to get a chance to play but jt daniels has proven himself that is a very different kind of statement from kirby smart and my reason for bringing this up is i think georgia fans ought to take that as really good news that the people closest to daniels the people closest to the quarterback situation at Georgia have seen something from him. Todd Munkin, you're assuming, has some influence on this. Buster Faulkner, the analyst, you're assuming, has some influence on this. Uh, Kirby Smart himself, obviously, because he's the one that chooses the words that he uses. 
all of these guys essentially saying that this is not what has been the normal quarterback situation at Georgia where competition is more important than development. No, we've got our guy now, and it's important that we develop him and utilize him to the best we possibly can. I think Georgia fans ought to take that as really good news. And the reason why all of that, including an audio clip from March, are relevant is because we have another example of that being true right now. Yesterday, and I'm sure you read this at dognation.com, our buddy Mike Griffith wrote about this. Yesterday, Georgia made its announcement for who it's sending to SEC Media Days. The two guys that are going would have been the easiest two to predict. In fact, uh, a lot of our audience on both Facebook and YouTube, our, our video commenters, and sometimes even on Twitter and stuff as well, have been trying to guess who Georgia might send to SEC Media Days for those who kind of pay attention to that kind of thing. And the two most common guesses were Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle, and JT Daniels, the quarterback. In a normal year, Georgia would take three names to SEC Media Days. This year, because of pandemic, for whatever reason, they're only taking just the two right now. And Davis and Daniels would have been the two easiest to pick when it comes to this situation. But while it may have seemed easy to pick Daniels to go to SEC Media Days, it's important to note just how different that is from typical operating procedure from Georgia. Once again, much the same way that I said that in normal years, Kirby Smart doesn't really like to name a starting quarterback. In normal years, in terms of selecting a player to be a spokesman for Georgia at SEC Media Days, that hasn't really been quarterback either. Some of y'all have better memories than I do, but isn't it true that Jake Fromm in 2019, the only time that Georgia has sent a quarterback to SEC media days under Kirby Smart. Last year, there was no media day, so that's a, a little bit different all, all the way around. But it's an example of, hey, for Georgia in 2021, a team that critics and outsiders and naysayers and just, you know, observers, you know, whatever, has said, boy, this team's got to be different this year. This team's got to have more offense this year. Well, if you're a Georgia fan who wants that to be true, an example of Georgia being different is the fact that this offseason, it's going about its business in a much different way. It's Kirby Smart on Atlanta radio naming a starter in March. It's Kirby Smart in July saying, not only is this our starting quarterback, but he's the spokesman for our team on the offensive side of the ball. It's not going to be an offensive lineman on a run-heavy team. It's going to be the quarterback putting the the spotlight on him as the vocal leader, the focal point of this team, all eyes on JT Daniels, and Kirby Smart is acknowledging that. I think that's really interesting. Now, one more wrinkle in all of this that shows you just how interesting this is. I thought Peter Burns, who I think, generally speaking, does a really good job at the SEC Network, I thought he also had a very interesting tweet yesterday. Let me show you this in terms of quarterbacks attending SEC Media Days. Uh, what uh, Burns says, because yesterday all the player announcements were made about who's coming to SEC Media days. And this is what Burns writes on Twitter. He says, my biggest takeaway from the announcement is it's the fewest amount of quarterbacks traveling to media days in the last five years. Burns says, keep in mind that only two players from teams are going this year, not three. But here's the list, and this is a really good job by Peter putting this out on Twitter. This is an example of one of the good things of Twitter. It's from time to time, it seems like those are far and fleeting. But what Peter writes is, here are the number of quarterbacks that have attended SEC Media Days in the past. You had nine that attended in 2013. You've got four that attended in 2014, five that attended in 2015, six, I'm sorry, three quarterbacks went to SEC Media Days in 2016, six went in 2017, six quarterbacks went in 2018, nine quarterbacks went in 
2019. There wasn't one last year. This year, just three quarterbacks are attending SEC media days. In other words, just three teams in the SEC feel confident enough in their quarterback to make him the spokesman for their team on the biggest stage in the SEC of the preseason. It is obviously JT Dance, as we mentioned. It's also Bo Nix from Auburn, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. So that gives you an idea of what is a real opportunity for Georgia this year. Other teams that you think of as contenders, other teams that you think of as having the possibility of having a big season, the quarterback's just not quite there yet. Now, that doesn't mean they can't make up ground very, very quickly, especially for teams like Alabama, who have a proven track record on offense. But it is not insignificant that Georgia starts the upcoming season where it is, where they with a named starting quarterback who's the trusted leader of this team and who proved that over the course of four games last year, even if that's a relatively small sample size. The kind of guy that Kirby Smart puts his trust in in a way that Smart has not frequently done with quarterbacks. If you're looking for the big offensive upgrade that would seem to be needed to win a national championship, the the way in which Daniels has been handled this offseason is certainly some evidence that could be on its way. I think it's good news for Georgia fans. I think they should notice. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're also broadcasting the show. I'm still kind of calling this our soft open for right now, uh, but we are on the website, uh, dognation.com. Now, eventually, my prediction is this is going to be one of the best ways to watch the show because you're already going to dognation.com each and every day anyway. To be able to go to the site right there at the top of the page, uh, above the fold, they've been nice enough to give us that real estate. Just to be able to click in, watch the show right there, you know, given the just the strangeness of big tech from one day to the next, uh, the fact that we can kind of control our own outcome there on the pages of dognation.com, I think is a really good thing. And I think it's going to be even bigger there in the future. So stay tuned for more details on that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I love the fact that this time of year, as we head towards the start of the season, rolling out new things, fun things, uh, experimenting with new technology, always a cool thing here around Dog Nation. I am uh, proud to be a part of an organization that's always pushing the limits of what can be done. And we would not be able to do it on this show without our great sponsors like my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. First of all, I love Bob Tharp, one of the uh, partners there. I I love his friendship, big UGA guy, but also one of those guys, you see this when you kind of, you know, talk to him, you know, meet with him. The tireless work that he does to make sure that he's at the forefront of whatever may be happening with the area of the law that he's chosen to make his expertise and the uh, lawyers that he employs there at Meriwether and Tharp when it comes to the divorce proceedings. Because let's face it, one of the most generous acts you can do is, as I'm looking at the wrong camera, one of the most generous acts you can do is to make something that's very, very difficult just a little bit easier for people. And that's what Meriwether and Tharp does. They make it a lot easier, in fact, because they understand how the intricacies of the law impact your specific situation. So when you find yourself going through the divorce process and when you set up that initial consultation with Meriwether and Tharp, which is free, by the way, when you do that, you will learn all, all of this and you will see the ways in which they can put you towards a path to have a much more enjoyable next season of your life than the one that you currently might be in. So I heartily, heartily recommend if you find yourself in the midst of a divorce situation, do not walk this path without somebody strong, a 
tireless worker, a tenacious fighter. Don't make the decision to go through this without someone like that on your side. And there is no one better than Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online at the theatlantadivorceteam.com. We will get Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a moment. Before that, I want to go around the doghouse. And let me be very candid here for a moment. There is one statement that I kind of hear a little bit from time to time from Georgia fans around this time of year. Once we get to kind of like mid-July and once the season's close enough that you can almost see it, but you still got a few weeks to to go, one of the things that people will say from time to time is, B.A., I just get so tired of the talking season. I'm just ready for the talking season to be over with. I'm just ready for the games to get here. And I kind of understand that, even if, admittedly, I'm a little bit of a fan of the so-called talking season. Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you something you probably already know. When you talk for a living, talking season can be kind of a fun thing. So from that standpoint, I'm probably a little bit different than the average fan on that. I do enjoy the talk. I enjoy the hype. I enjoy the hot takes. Even the hot takes that I find to be silly and wrong, I'm still sort of glad they exist because talking about college football for me is a really fun thing to do. However, I do completely get it when somebody says, B.A., I just get so tired of all the hot takes and and all the kind of, you know, the drama that sort of fills this time of year. I understand that, and I think I kind of have a little bit of insight as to kind of where that comes from because I think what you see with Georgia is this. In, in particular, let's talk UGA here for a moment. I think you see an obvious issue that could swing one side or the other and until the actual games are played, you just don't quite know how it's going to play out. And there's no one's opinion that's going to actually move the needle for you all that much one way or the other. There are people who are critics of UGA that say they're simply not going to be able to score enough points this year to look like the very best teams in college football. And there are other people who are advocates for UGA who are going to say, no, we see the evidence in place here. This Georgia offense finally looks different. It looks like the best on paper that Smart has had in any year since he's been Georgia coach since 2016, and this is the year it's going to take place. Even the Georgia fans who want that to be true at a certain point kind of find those arguments to not be very convincing after a while, and I do kind of get that because you just want to see the evidence with your own eyes. So really quickly with that in mind, I thought this was interesting. Pro Football Focus, who... I've said this before. It's kind of a love-hate relationship for some UGA fans with the analytics scouting site known as Pro Football Focus because when they criticize a Georgia player, as they somewhat did with JT Daniels a little bit earlier, only ranking him number 23 on their list of top quarterbacks in college football, we sort of cite that as an example, not by we, I mean Georgia fans collectively. We sort of cite that as evidence of how dumb pro football focus is. But when they say something about a Georgia player that's good, uh, we tend to cite that as an example of how good that player must be because pro football focus is kind of touting them here. So with that in mind, there's this. Uh, pro football focus had a recent story ranking the top 10 wide receiver duos in college football for 2021. No surprise that Ohio State's number one on this list, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they've been super deep at the receiver position for a long time you would expect to see them at number one Clemson actually coming in at number two here is kind of interesting with Justin Ross and uh, Jonah Gata uh Ross just because of the health issue there uh but that's something for Georgia fans to think about as you play Clemson week one the fact that, that Clemson wide receiver core expects to be good once again and then you get to this on this list and many of you've seen this I'll put a link to it when I post the show at dognation.com later on today the number three duo in all of college football from the wide receiver position is According to Pro Football Focus, Eric Gilbert, and the caption here says, pick one. 
and George Pickens is mentioned. Obviously, he's hurt right now. Dominic Blaylock is mentioned. Obviously, uh, you know he's also been hurt looking to return from that injury. Karis Jackson also gets mentioned, a guy who had 100-plus receiving yards in back-to-back games for Georgia last year against Auburn and Tennessee, something that has not been frequently done by UGA receivers, not just in the smart era, but even kind of previous to that. Arian Smith gets mentioned there as well, one of those four top 10 recruits that Georgia signed at the wide receiver position in the 2019 and uh, uh, 2020 recruiting classes. So it's very, very interesting to, to hear Pro Football Focus mention that collection of receivers as guys who who might have a chance to be among the very best tandems in all of college football. I'm going to talk to Terrence Edwards about this more in just a moment, but let me just kind of say this this way. Here's the one thing you can understand, and listen, I'm a Georgia Partisan. I do a show for Georgia Partisans. There is nothing I'd love more than to come on this airwaves and tell you, hey, this is the year I can guarantee you that Georgia's going to win a national championship. Obviously, I can't do that. Obviously, I can't do that. But if we were to assume for a moment that pro football focus is at least pulling from facts when they discuss the ways in which Georgia might have a top three wide receiver duo, if that's the case, then you better believe it's going to be a very happy year for Georgia this upcoming season. If Georgia has among the best wide receiver duos in the country, then it is very easy to draw a path for this team towards eventually winning the national championship. So here's the takeaway that you should have for all of this. While no one, myself included, could ever guarantee you that this is going to be the year for Georgia, do not for a second listen to anyone who tries to guarantee you the opposite, that, nah, Georgia's going to Georgia, or whatever it is that people say on social media these days. Uh, Do not listen for a second to anyone who says it's not possible, that Georgia somehow doesn't have all of the potential component pieces. And yes, I know the word potential does a lot of work there in that, and that's one of the reasons why folks get so tired of talking season, because it does become, to a degree, about potential. But there are a lot of teams that don't have the same potential this season that Georgia does. You want two pieces of good news? As I said off the top of the program, Georgia trusts its quarterback. The entire offseason has pointed to that. And analytics folks, scout folks, people like that have noticed that the collection of wide receivers, even with the injuries that JT Daniels gets a chance to throw to, this is deeper than we've seen from the Georgia Bulldogs in quite some time. Good stuff there on that front. We'll talk to Terrence Edwards about this more in just a moment. Before we do that, you've heard me uh, telling you about Kroger Five Star Kids a lot. We're taking those submissions there at dognation.com for that. Someone, we're going to have like, I think, five winners here, going to win a huge collection of gift cards for that. Also, we've said we're going to draw 50 of our entries for our Kroger Five Star Kids. You're also going to get a chance to win uh, these Dog Nation Kroger Five Star Kid t shirts. How much fun is this? This from our friends at Kroger. I love these. These are kids' T-shirts for kids. So you want to celebrate your own child as a five-star kid? Send your entry in. You can either go to info at dognation.com. That's the email address just to make your entry. Or go to dognation.com to find out more about this huge collection of gift cards. So much fun there. Uh, entries being taken right now for all of that. And uh, we're going to start making those announcements here coming up the week of July 22nd. Or, I'm sorry, whatever. We're, in, the, in the very near future, we got some uh, 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 big winners we're going to be giving away there and making those announcements, including those Kroger Five Star Kid t-shirts from Dog Nation there as well. So make sure you check out all of that. That's going to be an awful lot of fun. All right, good to have you with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. Before we're done... <laughs> 
A very funny mishap on social media for one SEC team. We'll tell you about that and some good news for a former dog there as well. All of that's on the way. It's Dog Nation Deadly presented by Merrill and Tharp. Let's get ready to talk to Terrence Edwards, though, right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Terrence Edwards here, the great former Georgia wide receiver. It's always fun to get a chance to uh, talk to him. And, you know, Terrence, I hope you're doing well. And I wanted to jump into something we were just discussing. So, you know, different folks can decide which, like, analytics or, you know, uh, advanced stats they care about. You know, some people do, some people don't. I think you have the right to, to feel however you want to feel about stuff like that. But it is certainly interesting to see a website like Pro Football Focus talking about Eric Gilbert, mentioning him along with whether it's Dominic Blaylock or Kyrus Jackson or Narian Smith or uh, you know whoever else you want to mention there as possibly forming one of the top tandems in the country when it comes to the receiver position. This is an example, I think, just the fact that we're even able to have a conversation like this in the preseason. Terrence, to me, this is an example of the way that Georgia at the receiver position has grown over the course of the last couple of years, that this is even a possibility. Do you agree with that? I think so. I think uh, pro football focus probably have the wrong two. I think this is, that is a year away. Uh, I think, as I posted earlier, I think the world of Dominique Blaylock, I think Dominique Blaylock has potential to be one of the best in the nation, in my opinion. But I just think coming off two AC, ACL surgeries, he's a year away. I think he'll get his, his feet wet get back in there this year and then when Kiaris Jackson depart from that one of those slot positions I think Dom would translate back into that position as he did as a true freshman I think Eric will uh get some opportunities this year um and I think next year really would be those two guys years uh, but I just think they're a year away from being the top duo but that just goes to show you what type of talent we have in that room I think that's really well said and this is a little bit of an unfair question because neither one of us are medical professionals, but you mentioned the fact that it's been two injuries for Blaylock. Because it's only been one for Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, even though we all saw their own eyes, it was a gruesome injury in the Florida game, but because it's just the one injury and because we've seen some video highlights of Rosemey Jack Saint thus far this offseason where it seems like he's cutting and doing some things again. I think the sense that some Georgia fans are getting is is that maybe Rosemey Jack Saint might be a little closer to being healthy than than maybe Blaylock is right now, which is a huge assumption because that's not really based on what Kirby Smart has said. Hopefully we'll hear from him next week. But do you kind of get the sense with some Georgia fans that maybe Rosemey Jack Saint's just a little closer right now than Dominic Blaylock might be? I would, I would say so. Um, I don't have any inside information on this anything, but I uh, you and I and Dog Nation have seen uh, Marcus in his videos working out with his trainer down in Florida. Uh, I spoke with him when I was down there. And he told me that he would be ready to go. He just would been held out. Uh, so I don't, like I said, I don't have any inside information. But if I just had to guess, I think he would be more of a contributor this year than Dominique would. But I just think Dominique is another year away. From being that receiver, I expect him to be, but I expect Marcus to be a heavy contributor this year. You know, obviously you know Eric Gilbert really well, and Pro Football Focus loves Gilbert. They praise him all the time. And you have said on this show in the past that from what you've seen from him, that the the, the guy that you saw you know, prior to enrolling at LSU, that's the guy that you're seeing now, that guy that was so in love with the game and in great shape and just doing big-time things. 
Terrence, if we're to assume for a moment, because this is the way he's kind of being treated, that he's going to be a full-time wide receiver now, that the idea of Gilbert being a tight end is a little bit in the past. I mean, how much can be expected from him right away at Georgia, knowing that that you know it is a little bit of a certainly a very interesting athletic package, a very big guy playing that receiver position, you know, learning a, a, a new system with a new team, and and you know maybe even making a little bit of a position switch here on, on a full time basis to wide receiver. You know, what should the realistic expectations for Eric Gilbert be this season? I think uh, you know because he's very talented. I think there's always going to be that expectation of. From from day one, he hit the ground running. He's going to be one of the best receivers on the team. I just want to temper everyone's expectations. What I've always said, I think he's going to help us win games, is that he will be the leading receiver on the team. Probably not. Will he get his share of opportunities to make plays? I think so, and I think he will be put in opportunities to help this team be a, a great offense. But just to as pro football focus put him one of the best duos with Dom, I just think is a little bit unfair for a kid that's been playing tight end. He played strictly receiver at Marietta, uh, played tight end last year. Hart just wasn't in it, as everyone knows when he was coming out as a recruiter. He's always just spoke about him being a tight end and people blasting him for it. In his heart, he's always wanted to play receiver. I think mm-hmm. that that what makes him happy. And when you have a happy football player, you're going to get the best – uh, out of that player so he's in a position he's comfortable with now we just have to wait and see how camp goes how he transitions from tight end to back to strict receiver how the playbook goes just all those things all those variables that the common fan really don't uh, anticipate they just a very talented kid that should go out there and make plays and I think he should but there's more valuable than that going into it I think that's really interesting and as you said I mean there are going to be moments where his truly unique skill set is just going to win out against whoever he's competing against because that's the kind of athleticism that he brings to the table but in terms of making this transition new program uh new position if we assume for a moment that he's going to play the receiver position exclusively you know more specifically what is the hard part here is is it is it learning the new position is it learning the new offense is it getting acclimated to living in a new town what do you think the biggest challenge for Gilbert's going to be? Right now, I just think just getting over everything that happened in the past, just truly getting over, uh, re- refocusing, resetting himself. Uh, now just in a new environment that, and I ask him all the time, are you still happy? I ask all my players, are you still happy? Because I want them to be happy yeah. in the choice that they, they, they made. Uh, now he just can acclimate to a new team, a, a new city, a new school, now a new playbook. Now he's just got to be comfortable. JT Daniels got to be comfortable with him uh, being able to be a, a big receiver. There's things that JT could do when the play breaks down. You know, you have a 6'5", 240 receiver out on the outside where he can give him opportunities to make plays. That trust factor is, is, a, is the biggest piece, I think, that they're going to have to get over. If the receiver and the quarterback don't trust each other, uh, it's not going to be successful. So JT is with those guys now. And he's been forming a bond with those guys and a trust factor that they have to have to be successful. If you looked at Smitty and Alabama last year, Matt Jones trusts uh, uh, Smitty to be where he wanted to be and where he needed to be. And JT Daines has to get that trust factor with his receivers. I think that's really interesting. I want to finish with this. You know, one of the most interesting things I've heard about Georgia this offseason actually came from you on the show However, you know, a couple months ago, whatever else, you talked about the fact that great teams always have great leaders, but when it's your quarterback who's a leader, 
there's a chance that you can really kind of force multiply the, the, the leadership quotient because the quarterback's kind of the focal point that people are looking at anyway. And, you know, yesterday it was announced that Daniels is going to be one of the two Georgia players that speaks next week at SEC Media Days. And, Terrence, I was immediately reminded of what you had said on that in the past that that here is a guy who, because of his age, you know, he's part of the 2018 signing class. It's a little bit, he's been around the block a couple times now. You know, because of what he did for Georgia on the field a year ago, because of presumably what he's been doing in meeting rooms, locker rooms since then, I mean, every single arrow points to Daniels being the true vocal and spiritual leader for this Georgia offense this year. And I'm assuming, based on what you've said in the past, you think there's some real value in that, right? Oh, I don't, most definitely. When, I mean, let's just be real. When that position has a true leader uh, on any football team, on any level, uh, and a team can look to the quarterback when good, bad, or indifferent, and they can look to the quarterback and say, we have that guy. Defensively, you feel better. Special teams, you feel better. And as an offensive player, I have that guy that I know when we're down and out or we're up, he's going to make the right place. Not necessarily it's always going to be turn out the way we want it, but it's the right play to make, and we are very comfortable with this guy leading our team. And that. from everything I've heard, JT Daniels is that guy for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, Terrence, really appreciate that. Uh, of course, you've got – uh, great, great work going on. Uh, speaking of being a leader, you've been a great leader for the next generation of pass catchers around this state for a long time. Working, you call it the bubble work. You're out there doing that all the time. For folks who want to get some of the same training that some of the guys on the Georgia roster themselves have gotten, and of course, uh, rosters all around college football. In fact, I think one of your guys just celebrated a commitment again this week. Um, where can folks get some of that from you, and how can they get in touch with the great work that you're doing? Uh, you can reach me on all forms of social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, T-E, Wide Receiver Academy. Uh, hit me up. I'm willing to, to teach if your child is willing to learn. Terrence, I truly appreciate your time. I love the work that you're doing in our state for uh, football players, and I'll certainly be looking forward to our chance to talk to you again very soon. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Tell you, man. It's hard to have a better impact on a uh, young man's life than as a coach, whether it's a high school coach, and t- you know Terrence does that there as well. He worked with the Great Pace Academy program, or the you know the college level. Obviously, you know we revere the work that coaches do uh, there in that situation there too. But these individual coaches who are you know helping these these young men get that training. There's there's a lot to learn there, and um, I, I just think the state of Georgia, you know, because we're got the big city Atlanta and things like that. We do have access to resources for our young players that some other states are just not going to have quite as much of. And, you know, you can cite, you know, great coaches like what Terrence is doing, our buddy Chuck Smith, what he does with the, the pass rushers. Uh, Terrence's brother Robert does great work with the uh, running backs. We're just really lucky in this state for those who want to play football. There's a lot of ways to get better playing football um, here in uh, this state this time of year, and that's a really good thing to be able to see. Let me tell you something else before we do our SEC through that I believe is a really good thing to be able to see, and that is all of the UGA fans who are in our audience, who listen to Dog Nation Daily, watch Dog Nation Daily, who have found out that the Finnish long drink is a great way to enjoy everything going on here this summer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can. What does that mean? It means it's like a mixed drink with like, if you get the, uh, I like the traditional, which is kind of like the grapefruit citrus flavor, but it's got like a strong like liquor kick to it there as well. It's like a gin flavor. 
Um, really, really, uh, really cool. Great, great tasting. There's a cranberry. There's a long drink strong. There's a long drink zero. This is a really fun category of beverage. The Finnish long drink does it wonderfully. It's been popular in Finland forever. I'm talking about going back to the 1950s. The summer games, which are actually coming up again, but they were in Helsinki back in the 50s. And the Finnish long drink was invented to celebrate the arrival of that to, to Finland and came to the United States a couple of years ago. Now it's everywhere, including right here in the state of Georgia. I'm talking about the bars you go to, the ones in downtown Athens. The students are loving this. Uh, the young folks there are, are, are loving this. Uh, those who are 21 and above, of course. Uh, the um, you know the, the folks around my neighborhood, the beverage stores, the golf courses, everything else. Uh, if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out more about this for yourself. Thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick it up. Whether it's the cranberry, the traditional with the grapefruit flavor, the long drink strong, the long drink zero. Make sure you check that out today. Thelongdrink.com for a lot more on that. All right, so. We talked yesterday about Ed Orgeron being put on, do people still say put on blast? Because uh, yesterday, I believe that Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports put Ed Orgeron on blast. Dodd does his piece every year for CBSSports.com, ranking all the hot seat status of the coaches. He does it on a level of zero through five. And Ed Orgeron, after being at a level zero last year because he was the reigning coach uh, of the national champions, had moved up to level four essentially saying you better win or you're in some serious trouble now as we pointed out yesterday in sec country live <laughs> if ed orgeron is worried about his hot seat status according to guys like dennis Dodd from cbs sports it certainly does does not appear that's the case i think we have some video we can show you of this orgeron running shirtless through the um through the uh, campus there in baton rouge getting some cheers from lsu fans as he does it, it to be a man who's you know pushing 60 to be you know running shirtless outdoors now he's not running very fast i think even i could probably run faster than that but the fact that he's you know doing this shirtless ed orgeron loves taking his shirt off that's something he very much enjoys doing takes a good degree of self-confidence to be able to do that so clearly he doesn't seem to be too bothered by his status of being on the so-called hot seat at least according to uh, dennis Dodd from cbs sports he's just kind of rolling right along not worried about that too much at all but some of you had kind of wondered, well, what about the rest of the coaches in the SEC in terms of one man's opinion, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, but where do they rank in terms of being on the hot seat or not? And I think when you see Dodd, to the extent that he has his finger in the pulse at all of the actual trend here, I think you do get a sense for kind of where things are at the moment around this league. Let me show you this on the screen here. So Dennis Dodd puts his guys in categories. And as I said before, Orgeron of the SEC coaches was in the highest category of the ones in the SEC. There was a higher category than Orgeron, but Orgeron was in the most precarious position of any other SEC coach. So you kind of divide it up this way. You have guys who are, this is the best place to be, the, the, the most advantageous spot to be in. Guys who are untouchable. According to Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, there are just two of those, Nick Saban and then Kirby Smart, which is kind of funny given all the, if Kirby Smart don't win it now, when is he ever going to win it? Uh, given all that chatter that's out there, the fact that Dennis Dodd says, no, actually, Kirby Smart's untouchable. I think Dodd's opinions look closer to being true than the, the rest. Then you have the category of coaches who are viewed to be safe and secure. This is Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss, Eli Drinkwitz of Missouri, Dan Mullen of Florida, Sam Pittman of Arkansas, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, Clark Lee from Vanderbilt. A couple things interesting about that is most of those guys are relatively short in their tenure as coaches or other guys, but like say Jimbo Fisher, for instance, because of how well A&M played down the stretch a year ago, he probably kind of moves into a, a better category than otherwise might would have been. Then there's the somewhat ominous 
category to be in. Coaches who are all good, dot, 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 for now. That's Shane Beamer at South Carolina, Mike Leach at Mississippi State, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, Brian Harson at Auburn, Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Once again, one of the things you notice in that category, it's a lot of guys who are relatively new or, in some cases, brand new in their tenure as SEC coaches. And I think this is something that's instructive here. A lot of you were genuinely curious of, B.A., why do people keep saying it's national championship or bust for Kirby Smart? Why are they pushing that so hard? And I, I truly don't think it's any kind of anti-Kirby Smart narrative, but as, as I've you know, told you before, you know, folks are looking for something to talk about. That's just the nature of the job. If you've got nothing to talk about, you've got no job to do in some respects. So folks want to try to find something to say. And the SEC this year is actually kind of an interesting spot. You've got coaches who are either clearly doing well, Nick Saban, Alabama. I don't think you'd have to say Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M after the year they had a year ago. Or you've got a lot of coaches who are just fresh on the job and haven't had much of a chance to prove anything one way or another. Uh, some of the you know first-year coaches a year ago actually did pretty well, guys like Drinkwitz and Pittman. Uh, some would say Lane Kiffin there as well. Then you've got this whole crop of guys who've never coached a game before in this league. There's no way to really evaluate them whatsoever. So this year, based on the graphic I just showed you on the screen or read to you if you're listening to radio podcasts, there are fewer there's fewer, there's less SEC coaching drama than almost any other offseason, right? So many of these coaches are new. A couple of coaches last year actually did pretty well. There aren't a lot of bullseyes on the backs of SEC coaches in terms of their job security. So, therefore, you have to sort of make up something to talk about, and that's where you get the national championship or bust for Kirby Smart. And actually, Smart hasn't been the only one who's dealt with this. You can make a case that saying Ed Orgeron's essentially uh, you know, on the – near the highest level you can be of being on the hot seat, less than two years removed from winning a national championship, you can say that's a similar exaggeration to some of the stuff that Smart has dealt with. And frankly, as much as it pains me to admit, almost to a degree, remember when uh, uh, Matt Hayes, who writes for the Saturday on South, you know, describing you know sources saying that it was a win or walk season for Dan Mullen at Florida? Now, he's signed an extension since then, but – even that could have been kind of viewed as a little bit of an exaggeration. So some of the stuff and the heat that some SEC coaches have taken this offseason, I think is a little bit of a byproduct of there's just nowhere else to put that heat right now because so many of the other coaches around this league are either in their first or second year on the job, and a couple of others have actually responded pretty well to the natural pressure that exists for them. And I would say that's some of what you've heard from Kirby Smart uh, thus far this year. We'll go ahead and make that your SEC through. I want to give a shout out here as well to former Georgia tight end Ben Watson, who, and you probably read this story at dognation.com, who has announced his uh, new job. He's going to be working as an analyst with the SEC Network. I think this is a really good thing. I think Ben Watson's an amazing man. A lot of you do there as well. Watson just has a lot of wisdom, I would say, and I think his insight on a number of topics is a really valuable thing, so cool from him there. Also, to be self-serving here for a moment, this is the other thing I think is pretty cool, is you can go back to a time in, like, say, the 80s, 90s, maybe even the early 2000s, when the college football media sphere was really growing. And for the most part, those media voices 
kind of all looked the same, right? I mean, college football has been a very popular sport in the South for quite some time, but sometimes the media that covers the sport has a certain Midwestern feel to it. Uh, you know, you know, uh, a lot of the same kinds of schools seeming to produce the analysts that end up, you know, populating a lot of these shows, ESPN certainly included. But boy, in recent years, that's really changed. In recent years, you know, the University of Georgia can point to a lot of its own who have now started to populate the airwaves and really have some influence on the college football conversation. So before this is totally self-serving because Georgia folks talking about Georgia on TV has a benefit of potentially being good for UGA. And for those of us who are UGA fans, I think our response to that would be, we'll take that. We'll take that hype, we'll take that praise, we'll take that good PR that comes from that. And not to say that Ben Watson's not going to be, you know, true to his opinions and, and you know, as objective as possible when he does these the shows in the SEC network, but having another UGA guy doing TV work uh, on the SEC network for the University of Georgia is not a bad thing. It is a, it is a little bit of a commercial for the program by proxy, if nothing else. So pretty good stuff there. Quick shout out as well to my friends, Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. They will take care of you for your foundation, your waterproofing needs. They're proud partners of UGA. That makes them fun to do business with. Longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily as well. They've got two full-time engineers on staff there as well. They'll take care of you if you've got a foundation or a waterproofing problem. Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. So as we say before, um, we around here kind of make the uh, golden shoe just kind of whatever we want it to be. You know, that's one of those things that it's just kind of our, our thing to do, whatever. So the example of that today, Auburn has put out on social media for one of their linemen, Jacob Hood. They're trying to, I guess, put a Heisman campaign together for Jacob Hood, which is in and of itself maybe a little bit funny. Uh, the graphic here says, and if you're seeing this on video, obviously you can't see this, but the graphic for Hood says Heisman Hood. It's got kind of an Auburn motif for the uh, letters there. And it sees, you see Jacob Hood kind of through the magic of Photoshop kind of standing there with a podium and the Heisman Trophy. And listen, it's tough to get anything past SEC fans. A lot of you know what happens next. If you zoom in on the Heisman Trophy, and we'll show you this graphic there for that, it's actually Joe Burrow's Heisman Trophy Award. Why didn't you blur that out if you're Auburn? So they take the butt of some jokes today, including our golden shoe here today. Uh, and by the way, speaking of the uh, lousy, stinking Gators, uh, Gator Hater Countdown, 107 days from right now. Georgia gets a win against Florida. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast. Cool down. Of course, you can be a part of this, and I encourage you to be. Your comments, your questions, just make it better. So reach out to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comments section when we post the show each and every day at the world-famous DogNation.com. I want to read this from Red Dog One. We talked yesterday about while it's ludicrous to say that somehow the national championship window for Georgia would close after the 2021 season if the dogs don't get it done, that's not the same thing as saying there's no pressure at all on Smart, that you can't keep replicating the same level of success that Georgia has had in recent years forever. That as long as there's progress, as long as you're pointing towards things progressing towards a championship, I think for the most part Georgia fans are fine because for the most part Georgia fans are sensible and logical. And yet, if you have what you've had admittedly the last three seasons where after playing for the national championship in 2017, Georgia only played for the SEC championship in 2018, close loss to Bama. 2019 played for that SEC championship again. This time the game wasn't close in 2020, Georgia didn't play for the SEC championship at all. That's a trend of 
less end-of-season results year, 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 18, 19, 20, that does uh, have to be changed here for this upcoming season. But if if Georgia trends back in the other direction, if it wins the SEC, if it makes the college football playoff, for the most part, Georgia fans, I, I think, would be fine with that, with the idea that the dogs aren't going anywhere as a legitimate national championship contender for quite some time. You're not going to let Georgia's rivals off the hook quite so easy on the idea they only got to worry about they only have one more year where they have to worry about Georgia Uh, with that in mind let me read this from Red Dog One who writes into the comment section of dognation.com he says to not win the East this year would be utter failure on Kirby Smart and the program no two ways about it this season is the best chance we've had in a while that's a fact it looks like with the uh, Wake Forest guy or Stetson Bennett last year we were not going to beat Bama and Florida last year no matter how the score looked at various times of each of those games he says Red Dog One goes on to write that could we win a national championship in 2022 with a first-year starting quarterback? While not out of the realm of possibility, we all know there is a serious learning curve as a first-year SEC quarterback. He says losing three senior uh, uh, defensive linemen, starting uh, middle linebacker, a couple of outside linebackers, first or second-round quarterback, a couple of offensive linemen to the draft, and still winning the national championship, that's a much taller order, he says, in 2022 than 2021. Much taller, he emphasizes. So, B.A., instead of trying to uh, rail against the machine, list all the top people we lose after this season and tell us how we replace them, uh, all with as good as, if not better. Then you have the case. Right now, it's just being a homer. Make us feel better about 2022 with logic. But, I mean, I think the logic in this particular case speaks for itself, uh, Red Dog, that we may not know the answer right now, of who the Georgia starting, you know, you want to say the, the loss of Jordan Davis. We may not know who the starting nose guard is going to be in 2022, but we can assume it's probably going to be someone good because that's what Georgia has a track record of doing. In other words, right now, if you want to say that, uh, if we wanted to have a friendly wager, as a for instance, on Georgia's preseason ranking to start the 2022 season, even with all the possible losses that you discuss off the, uh, off the program there to say nothing of what Georgia still would bring back but even with the losses that you discuss do you think Georgia begins the preseason rated any lower than sixth or seventh I would say that's about as low as I could imagine Georgia being in the preseason to start the uh, upcoming year with a clear chance of advancing beyond that and while you cite the difficulty of contending for a championship with a first-year starting quarterback I, I do think it's important to note all of the first-year starting quarterbacks that have gone on to win national championships. You know, obviously on its face it seems difficult, but the number of times in which it has happened leads you to believe it is far from impossible. Whether you want to mention Trevor Lawrence in 2018 or, you know, the fact that Alabama is certainly seeing no worse for the wear in terms of their national championship projections, given the fact they have a first-year starting quarterback right now, Bryce Young. Obviously, it didn't hurt them a year ago to have a first-year full-season starting quarterback in Mac Jones. Kind of on and on you go. Would it be difficult to predict Georgia win a national championship in 2022? It'd be difficult to predict anyone in any given season with any level of accuracy to win a championship. But when you group teams into populations – that's when things are going to be obviously a lot easier to do. And that particular case that George would obviously on the basis of its recruiting success on the, on the basis that it would still have plenty of returning production, especially the receiver position, especially the running back position, presumably um, Georgia would start the year in 2022, the same way it would in 2021 um, in the population of teams who have the best chance of winning a national championship, almost certainly a preseason FPI, you know, number five, you know, top five level team, something along those lines. It's an interesting conversation. 
conversation and interesting discussion. But, you know, this notion of, oh, it's now or never, it's championship or bust for uh, for Kirby Smart, that is a false and phony deadline. That well is not going to dry up anytime soon. So interesting stuff. Uh, you can share your own comments there as well on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, in the comments section at dognation.com. We'll look forward to doing those as a part of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. So find them online today at rsandrews.com. And I'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.